Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm Brendan Glasheen, joined by Brandon Anderson and Jill Gallant, two of our very best that cover the NFL for Action Network. You are listening to the Week 17 NFL recap just after midnight on the East Coast. So if you're listening on Monday morning, whenever you're listening, uh, good morning or good evening or whatever. Uh, Sunday night football just wrapped up between the Steelers and the Ravens. Let's just dive right in. We have a lot to get to. Great Monday night game between the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals. We'll have a breakdown of that, how to bet it, and what it looks like for the future, because as we know, it's a great matchup. Two teams that are very much in the mix in the AFC. We'll also do some playoff picture stuff, pick it apart here with just a lot going on and what these final weeks mean, or in some cases, what they don't mean for some teams. Ron Rivera. But uh, let's start out with the... My Tom Brady led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They win 30 24. They cover minus three against Carolina. Tampa clinches the NFC South. Our quarterback, Tom Brady, that's a phrase here in New England that we like to say still, our quarterback that was let go by BB, Bill Belichick. Brady 432 through the air, couple of touchdowns. Evans and Godwin, phenomenal in this game. Brandon, why don't you start us off? Tampa clinches the South, one of the better games on the slate today. Yeah, it was a wild one. Back and forth. Mike Evans had not scored a touchdown since, I believe, October 2nd and then drops three touchdowns on the Panthers. If you guys remember, so Carolina won 21-3 when these teams played like a month and a half ago. I believe the first play of the game, or at least the first drive, there was a bomb wide open Mike Evans in stride, and he had like the, you know, the they had to play the music over. He bobbled it like three or four times before it dropped. And then that game got away and kind of sent the Bucks into the spiral that they got to. So in a way, I guess it works out that it came full circle that, all right, well, Mike actually caught the balls this time, scored all the touchdowns. I don't know, man. Like the Buccaneers are not impressive. They, they, they just find ways to win these games, I guess. So hooray for the Tom Brady, Tim Tebow's and all the late comebacks and yay. Uh, (laughs) Look, this team, they're going to rest next week now. They get a week of rest and a home playoff game Mm -hmm. for winning this absolute garbage division. The Buccaneers had only scored 20, more than 23 points once all season. So of course they scored 40 or 20 in the fourth quarter to get this game. Honestly, Carolina, 14-0 just before the half, and then they just gave this game away. They let it get away. They let Mike Evans steal it away. Yeah, Brendan, uh, it was kind of incredible to watch because I've gotten now accustomed to this season to seeing Tom Brady 
flounder in the fourth quarter, especially in the second half, where if you're trailing in the second half and you're a Tom Brady-led offense, I think you're done. Now we've seen two double-digit fourth-quarter deficit wins in back-to-back weeks. Brady is back. Not quite. Like, Panthers led 14-0 early. You know, they were up 21-10. Sam Darnold threw three touchdown passes on them. And then 10 seconds into the fourth quarter, we start to see turnover matters. <laughs> like Mike Evans gets two long bomb touchdowns, like a 63-yard touchdown, a 57-yard touchdown. I'm pretty sure he won somebody a fantasy championship this week. When I was checking some fantasy scores, it was like 48.7 fantasy points if it's a PPR league, <laughs> uh, not to step on the Fantasy Flex podcast. But uh, again, four net owners, another side of it, just getting poached. You brought up Tom Brady. Uh, throwing for he th- scores his first touchdown of the season like and he scored at least two touchdowns uh since being a buccaneer each year so i hate to use the he was due but again there was only two regular season games left so you know he got one in but uh guys i don't know about you but i like i think the bucks can win one playoff game like i think they're gonna host the the cowboys is the likely outcome and of course me being that glass half empty Cowboys fan I'm always thinking like oh we saw what happened in week one you know this is likely going to be a rematch or a replay of what happened in week one but mm-hmm. I don't really have high hopes because the Buccaneers won in spite of their weakness like one of the things about them this season was that they were not running the ball enough and they weren't running the ball efficiently well they only had 65 rushing yards today <laughs> and they still were able to come back and win uh, another 45 pass attempts from Tom Brady so I feel like they kind of got bailed out from the defense and Evans that might be able to translate to maybe a first round playoff win. I just don't see it where some of these people I'm seeing, you know, talking about how they could make another Super Bowl run. I'm not feeling it. He's just amazing guys. Just accept it. He just does weird stuff and he has a knack. You know, I would love Evan Abrams does research for us at action network covers the NFL for us as well. I'd love to see the, if you were a money line, better live betting the fourth quarter on Tampa Bay this year, what what would you be up if you were a hundred dollar better for for example? Just yeah, they pull some of these games right out of their keister. Tom looked good though today. That made me happy. How about New Orleans and Philadelphia? This was the shocker of the day, and I put shocker in air quotes. No Jalen Hurts again for the Philadelphia Eagles. Saints win outright. Brandon twenty to ten. So they they cover the spread. They're another underdog this week that wins outright. Are the Eagles in significant danger or is it time now maybe to hop aboard? Yeah, I think it might be time to hop aboard. This is the team that's been the best in the NFC all season. Now, granted, these injuries, they matter. We've talked about that on a couple of these podcasts. Now, we had another one today. Josh Sweat, early in the game, went out with a neck injury. He has 11 sacks for that team. So, got to believe he went to the hospital during the game. So, I have to believe that he's out for, I don't know, foreseeable future, I would think. We're, we're losing guys here, and, you know, that happens to every team this time of the year. But more and more in recent years, we seem to kind of get, you know, right now it feels like we have these six teams, three in the AFC, three in the AFC, that are the class of the NFL, and it almost becomes a war of attrition. Like last year, the Rams kind of just were the last healthy team standing, right? You know, right. like not to take anything away from them, you still got to win the games, but it does matter, these Eagles injuries. but I think that this is the spot to buy a little little bit because the Eagles are still right now as things reopen two touchdown favorites next week against a Giants team that has nothing to play for now because they've already made the playoffs. They're locked into their seed. The Eagles just win one game, one, that's it. And they're back in the one seed by week, a chance to get a hole a little bit. I think that it's still, you know, the road goes through Philadelphia as hot as San Francisco is, that still means Brock Purdy on the road in Philly, a tough environment. I think you have to still like the Eagles' chances here. So I like the NFC odds. I think I saw something like a plus 180 right now. Do you have that, Brendan? Plus 210 Philadelphia to win the conference. Plus 210, yeah. So I, I think if you want Philadelphia, I understand if you don't. The injuries, they matter. Lane Johnson, Avante Maddox, we've talked about this. That certainly is not nothing. So I'm not going to minimize that, but you're not going to get a better price on the Eagles. This is a spot. I think that they probably win next week with relative ease. You get the bye week and suddenly you're feeling a lot better. Hopefully, I think you get hurt some reps next week. Like it almost is ideal if it's this kind of preseason spot and you play maybe half of the game or something. Back to this game, 
Gardner Minshew maybe made the best case for Jalen Hurts MVP all season. <laughs> I mean, he was not great in this game. He had the bomb to A.J. Brown, but otherwise that was about it for this offense. So the Saints really should have put this game away by more. They were in pretty much complete control, 75-yard touchdown drive to open the game. And it's crazy. If you're watching in a red zone or on multiple screens, the Saints had the big pick six. Marshawn Lattimore, first game back, pick six to get to the final score. Saints have the win. They're still alive. They can make the playoffs. And literally like seconds later, bomb to Mike Evans in the other game. Bucks take the lead. Saints season is over. But not before our last look ahead of the year, Brandon. Our, our weird one. Saints money line this week. Cowboys money line next week. We now have, if you played that one, a plus 821 parlay, thanks to what the Saints did today. We now have a plus 821 money line on the Cowboys next week, which is currently listed at minus 250 because the Cowboys are now six-point favorites against an eliminated Washington team. So that one dominoed just perfectly in our favor. So feeling good about that one. The reporting out of Philadelphia, by the way, is Jalen Hurts could play against the Giants in Week 18. That's as simple as they put it as far as the latest reporting. Mentioned Philadelphia plus 210 on FanDuel to win the conference. Sam Fran in behind Jill at plus 220. You got thoughts on this game? Uh, well, I think with this game, man, I, I'm i not really going to be as hard on Minshew maybe as uh, as – as Brandon was, I feel like the coaching staff failed him today. Like, how can you only call 15 run plays? Like I know Lane Johnson is out, but you have Miles Sanders, you have, uh, you know, Boston Scott. I know that obviously Gardner Minshew isn't the running threat, but it's with that offensive line and with the way that that offense is built, it's completely built to be a run first offense. Like it's awesome to have these luxuries like an AJ Brown or a Devonte Smith, but that's how you, that's how you make the bread. You've got to be able to run the ball. And if you're not running the ball, I guess a pretty underrated Saints defense that had pretty much had all of their guys back, uh, that's not going to be a recipe for success. So, and then we saw it today, like the Eagles didn't have a first down until 19 seconds left of the first half. Like So uh, I, I kind of worry about the Eagles playoff path here because the first, uh, it, it, let's say they get the one seed. They're either going to have the Cowboys or the Bucks in the second, in their first game back. Well, the Bucs crushed them twice last season. And the Cowboys, again, it's a tougher matchup than I think it lets on. It's up in the air. I'm not going to say the Cowboys are going to beat them in, in, in link. But at the same time, it's not an easy matchup after being able to get a bye. The first game back, you're either playing one of those two teams likely. So, Brandon, I have a separate question for you. I'm going out of left field here. Do you think it would be an easier path for the Eagles to throw the one seed and go for the two seed instead and go for a different path so where it would be a hypothetical where if it all played out, they would probably play San Francisco in San Francisco for the AFC title or NFC title game instead of uh, hosting. I'm looking at the way that the playoff picture is unfolding and who they would play if that played out. <laughs> I honestly think the first two games would be easier uh, from a path standpoint to be able to get to that destination. I just wanted to see if you would entertain my crazy notion. I, I will not. I will not entertain your crazy <laughs> notion. That is ludicrous. You play the whole season to get the bye week. The safest opponent you can play is nobody. You want the week off, especially this team with all the injuries. And look, let's be real. The Vikings are going to be the two or the three seed. You're assuming the Vikings win their game. Why are we assuming the Vikings are going to win their game? If the Giants beat the Vikings, which, by the way, they nearly did last week, minus a 61-yard field goal Vikings record, if the Giants win that game or some other upset, whoever the seven seed is, they could be the upset. We could get a Seahawks seven seed or a Lions seven seed. Now the Eagles had played nobody, and then the Giants or the Lions or the Seahawks. You're going to tank a week rather than have the upside of having no game and then a Giants home game? No, thank you. I Get out of here. That's ludicrous. Yeah, so, but I think the point that I'm trying to make is, is that first round matchup or the first game after the bye against a potential Bucks team or a Cowboys team is a tough opening game, especially when there's a likelihood that all of those guys that we talked about from an injury standpoint might not still be back to 100%. So I, that's all I'm saying is I feel like I you could have a little bit easier of a road, even if you'd still have to play the Niners on the way out in San Francisco.
I'm slightly concerned that you've been brainwashed by Philadelphia Eagles Twitter, <laughs> potentially, because I could see an Eagles fan twisting their mind into a pretzel about that potential scenario. I mean, on the flip side, a lot of people would think that I'm just trying to be a hater. But at the same time, yeah. I'm looking out for them. Like, so I'm just trying to see them get as far and do as well as they can. It's phenomenal. That's a real galaxy brain moment for you. <laughs> I mentioned San Francisco, second best odds to come out of the NFC at plus 220. They survive in overtime against the Raiders. The Raiders with Jarrett Stidham, who was, for all intents and purposes, he was basically benched and pushed out of New England, like other quarterbacks we've talked about on this podcast. Niners 37-34, Raiders cover plus nine and a half. Jill, why don't you start us here? Because I know you were on the Niners, and that had to be frustrating to see Jarrett Stidham get the most out of this offense. But uh, yeah, I guess give Josh McDaniel some credit for getting his guys up for this game, despite Derek Carr not even being in the facility, never mind being inactive, just wasn't there altogether. What were your thoughts on the Niners surviving? I think my initial shock was how effective the tight ends were in this game. The Niners are number one in DVOA in a lot of things, but especially in defending tight ends this season, they only allowed two touchdowns all year to a tight end. And both of them were in the same game against the Falcons. And before I could even sit down, Darren Waller scoring a touchdown, like, and again, Darren Waller is not just your average everyday tight end, but again, it was one of those things where I, just was like, wow, okay, the Raiders are here to play. And they gave them everything they could handle. Like Devontae yeah. got two touchdowns, Waller scored. And you saw throughout the week, too, that the Niners line moved heavily against that Stidham news all week. Like it, it was going from four and a half to six, it went all the way up to ten and a half, then settled back down to nine and a half. So clearly it wasn't just me who was thinking, oh, well, Stidham is, uh, is uh, I don't want to call him a bust, but I would definitely just say underwhelming, I guess, as a quarterback, uh, which probably why he wasn't able to close the deal because he had an overtime interception and, uh, you know, the defense showed up for the Niners. And now the Niners get a cards team in week 18 is huge 13 and a half point favorites to lock up the two seed. Uh, and I think they're just going to be watching that Eagles Giants game like that. Uh, you know, that meme, the dude hiding behind the tree, just rubbing his hands and licking his lips, just, <laughs> just preying on the Eagles downfall. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Brandon, Niners have won nine straight games. You've already worked this in, but some concerns down the road, and we can't get them in trouble for something that hasn't happened yet. But Brock Purdy on the road in a playoff game, down the road, if it would be in Philadelphia, that would be the only scenario as of now being the two seed. But what'd you unpack from the game today in Las Vegas? Yeah, I thought this was a really important game. Not not so much important that the Niners won. Obviously, that's great. But that they had to face this adversity. They haven't really had that with this version of the team. They got McCaffrey, and they've basically just been blowing everyone out ever since then, which is great. But I was a little worried, almost like, okay, but if they crush the Raiders, then crush the Cardinals and head into the playoffs red hot, you're not just going to crush everyone in the playoffs. It doesn't work that way. So what happens when you get this today? What happens when you need the late drive? You need to get down and get the field goal. And let's be fair, this was one of those where it's like quarterback wins are not a stat. This is not a Brock Purdy comeback or overtime victory. He handed the ball off a couple of times at the key moments and Robbie Gold got the field goal, but he didn't give the game away either. 
And there were moments, and he continues to have right up to the edge where it's like, oh, here's the the crowd's roaring. There's the key interception. But he has that bravado to come back a little bit. I think they needed this. They needed to have their medal tested a little bit here. And, you know, all the better to get the win, too. For me, this is the Raiders season in a nutshell. They had 500 yards of offense on a great Niners defense that's been slaughtering people. They put up seven and a half yards of play. They blew a double-digit lead again, like they always do. They were alive for the playoffs. Suddenly it was like, oh, man, Jared Stidham, Raiders playoff run, and now their season is over. Like, that's that's it. That's the Raiders season in a nutshell. McCaffrey, almost 200 yards for the Niners, rushing and receiving. I don't see odds open yet. He has to be the comeback player of the year favorite at this point, right? Because, well, I don't know. If the Seahawks make the playoffs, maybe Geno still takes it home. But Saquon falling back a little bit. Uh, Jill, I know you've got coach of the year thoughts later on. I think Cal Shanahan is going to have a very good chance for coach of the year. Yep. Sirianni with these late Eagles losses. That one might be open. We had on a Futures Friday a couple weeks ago, I did some wonky awards parlays. Got a McCaffrey comeback player of the year. Cal Shanahan coach of the year parlay. 245 to 1 at FanDuel. I think when this thing reopens, I think we're looking at something like shorter than 10 to 1. I think those might be the favorites of both of the awards. So Niners, Red Hot. But this was a game that was really perfect for them to, to get this test and still get the win. Kyle Shanahan's also reversing the narrative that he needs Jimmy Garoppolo as his starting quarterback to have any sort of success. Niners 42 and 19 straight up covering the spread at a solid rate with Garoppolo as quarterback. When it's any other, they're under 500 by 17 games straight up. This was going into this game and then 19 and 22 against the spread. Also Brock Purdy is now four and zero straight up with multiple touchdown passes in his first four starts. The only other quarterback who's done that since 1950, Kurt Warner. He did it in four straight as well in his career. Moving on to some other games, Jets, Seahawks, the Island, the Island lives by a small, there's a small little fraction of the Island. It might be drowned in salt water or whatever body of water you can imagine, but there it is. A piece of Seattle Island is alive, Brandon Anderson. And they win today, 23-6. They cover. They were a dog. They got plus one and a half at home, and they covered and won. Seattle Island lives. Maybe that was just the rising tide. Maybe the tide <laughs> is just slowly falling back down. We just misinterpreted the whole time. Look, first play of the game, Kenneth Walker rips off a 60-yard run, and I thought he really set the tone. They got a quick 7-0 lead. Mike White throws an interception. The crowd got into it, and it was kind of over. Like, the Jets really never competed after that. There's not even much to say about this game because Mike White just wasn't good enough. Five yards per attempt, completed half his passes, two interceptions, just not good enough. The Jets' defense, honestly, I think they were fine. I think they did their job here, but not enough offense here. I thought the Jets were – we had this one. We were all on Jets on our best bets, so that did not go well for us. Just uh, a whiff on that one. Jets for next season, though, I feel like, you know, Mike White wasn't going to win you a Super Bowl this year, right? We knew this. So now you got this great defense, Super Bowl-caliber defense. Get Brees Hall back in, right? We forgot about him. Get him back out there healthy. Go get your quarterback. Maybe it's Derek Carr. Maybe it's someone else. I think the Jets are going to be one of those early preseason darling sleepers next year. But other than that, Jets are out now. Seattle needs some help, but can still make the playoffs. Kenneth Walker, maybe stole rookie of the year back here. 133 yards. Garrett Wilson, only 18 yards on the game. Head-to-head rookie right. of the year. Walker's got more yards and more touchdowns than Wilson by a real margin now. So I feel like he may have stolen it back. Jill, the Giants smoke the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are putrid in the fourth quarter with Jeff Saturday. They've only scored nine points in the fourth quarter since he's arrived there. So the Giants win by 28. They cover five and a half. And they also scored 30 points for the first time since week five of the 2020 season. Uh, it was hilarious. I'm sitting with a Giants fan, and <laughs> when they score their 30th point, he's like, yeah, it's 30 points. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, it's been a long time. And I was like, what do you mean? And then we actually looked it up. It was week five of 2020. That's how long it's been since they put up 30 points in an NFL game. And 
To me, that's insane. And the fact that Daniel Jones, you know, he rushed for two touchdowns. Saquon Barkley was not really like not really much of a factor in the game. Brian Dable gets the Gatorade shower. I I disagree, Brandon. Uh, Brandon, I do think that he did seal the coach of the year race with this win, just getting the playoffs of where the expectations were only just because it's not to say that I'm not giving Shanahan credit. It's more of that. I think a lot of people were already projecting the Niners to at least be, you know, a top three or four seed in the NFC. So it just, it's about measuring the expectations. It's such a subjective thing. A lot of the time with coach of the year uh, voting and stuff like that, but yeah, I think we found that statue that's outside of Lincoln Stadium on the field today because Nick Foles looks washed. Like eight for 13, just a gross pick six. It got so bad, boys, that I said, we got to put Matt Ryan back in the game. And oh, that's boy. how bad it got. It was bad. And so <laughs> the Giants clinch remains to be seen if Dable and Co. Like if they're actually going to play next week. Again, the spread reflects that they won't be playing. But uh, he said in a press conference that uh, they are not going to rest their players. So uh, we'll see if he's a man of his word. Two touchdown underdog, the Giants, next week against the Philadelphia Eagles. That game is in Philadelphia. On to Patriots-Dolphins. One of us on this podcast was in attendance for this football game. The same person may or may not have directly messaged Brandon Anderson Late in the ball game, fourth quarter, beautiful day at Gillette, by the way, mid fifties, sun was out. Patriots took the lead. They're in control. And I said, Oh, I mean, someone, someone said that under 42 looks good, Brandon. And not only did the under not hit, but the dolphins backdoor cover, they get the plus two and a half cashes. Patriots win 23, 21. And I am the one to blame for the over being the case. Yeah, look, you send that message, and it wasn't two minutes later that Kyle Duggar picks off Teddy Bridgewater, weaves through traffic, and effectively ends the Dolphins' season, right? Because Kyle Duggar not only goes pick six for, like, the 700th defensive touchdown of the year by the Patriots, (laughs) they take the lead, but on that play, Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt trying to make the tackle, so then it's Skylar Thompson the rest of the game. And then Skylar Thompson gets the garbage touchdown to actually kill the under dead for us, get the cover for Miami. Just a mess of a game. Kind of like, again, weirdly, the Dolphins season in a nutshell, right? They're in control. They're looking good. And then the quarterback gets hurt. How many games have we had a Dolphins quarterback get hurt and somebody else has to finish the game? Right. It's just kind of ridiculous at this point. But how many games for the defense touchdowns? Jill, you had a stat for us on the defense, right? Yeah, so they've played 16 games this year. They have scored a defensive touchdown in eight games this year. So if you would just blindly put a unit on the New England Patriots defense every week to score a touchdown and not think thought twice of it, you would be up 40 units in profit. And that's and that what- doesn't even and that doesn't include the walk-off punt return touchdown against the Jets. And why it's more impressive is like they didn't have Marcus Jones today. Jack Jones didn't play. So that secondary was beaten down and just the injuries piled up and they still made it away to get another defensive touchdown. It's Bill Belichick. I'll give Belichick's been taking a lot of heat in this town lately. He can still coach up guys in the secondary. They let JC Jackson walk, take all the money. Malcolm Butler, they they let him walk. They've let guys walk at that position. Stefan Gilmore walked. They let him walk to Indy. They did give him a lucrative contract when he came over from Buffalo, but man, Bill knows how to coach up that secondary. I guess his son gets credit to Steve Belichick. And yeah, Brandon said it, it's still a mess. And Bill likes to make it a mess and win these close, scrappy, ugly games. And just a quick aside, now being at the Raiders game in this game, it is hard as a spectator at these games to find out about Oh, Skylar Thompson's in. What happened? And I saw Bridgewater go under the tent, but you those are the things you get on TV. They explain those things and they they have replay and just tight shots. So I'm like, what the heck's going on here with Bridgewater? But I thought the same thing. Another injury at quarterback for the Miami Dolphins this year. Okay, let's rapid fire the rest of the way. Brandon, the Green Bay Packers, they cover and destroy your Minnesota Vikings. 41-17, Green Bay covers minus three. There was, it was three and a half out there. We got the two and a half look ahead spot. Green Bay clinches the seven seed this coming week with a win against the Lions at home. What do we make of the Packers? Do we do, do we do we now have to buy in on Green Bay, or is this just an indictment of Minnesota not being that good, like we've been talking about all year? 
Yeah, I think it's more the latter. The Vikings block a punt, get the ball in the one to open the game, get a chance to get the touchdown. The Eagles have lost. The Vikings have a real path to the one seed and an actual Super Bowl path. Get the bye week in a one seed. You never know. They get stuffed at the one, set up for the field goal. Game over. Packers return the kick for a touchdown. We had a pick six later on in the first quarter. It's over after that. Like that, that's it. Kirk Cousins. I wrote about this game beforehand. DeBundo had this on the look ahead. I had this on the hot read. I wrote, close your eyes and imagine this game. Did you imagine a sad, cold Kirk Cousins standing alone on the sidelines after his third interception while Justin Jefferson stomps around and more Packer guys Lambo leap into the stands? Literally, that's the game. This is the game Vikings fans have watched in Lambo my entire life. We knew it was coming. And now, like you said, in Lambo next week, the Packers control their destiny. Vikings are out of the one seed now. So I think that Minnesota probably takes next week as a rest week. That's what the line looks like to me as well. Minnesota 12 and four minus 19 point differential on the season. <laughs> That's freaking incredible. Brandon, oh, I, have a, I, have a, I have a question for you. So Justin Jefferson, as a Vikings fan, Justin Jefferson was the favorite for offensive player of the year coming into this game. He was around minus 700 to minus 900, depending on the book. Do you think his offensive player of the year candidacy is affected with today's game of being essentially shut down by Jair Alexander and the Packers defense? Yeah, I don't think so. Just because I'm not sure that there's another candidate out there really right now. Uh, if somebody else were to have, you know, we'll get to Bill's Bengals. If someone were to have a monster game there and next week, or maybe Tyreek or Mahomes, I feel like we kind of wrapped that one up already. Only one catch for Jefferson. I personally, I appreciate it. In the Action Network Fantasy Football League, I was facing Justin Jefferson in the championship match, so I appreciate him taking the week off for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think your uh, your preseason bet, Jill, should be fine on that one. Jill, we spent, we just mentioned those uh, Packers. They have to beat the Lions. Well, the Lions, they handled their business today. They blow out the Bears 41-10. They cover the six-point spread. They're still alive to get in. Yeah, and... Honestly, what might be the most impressive is just Jared Goff. Like, I'm not sure if it's going to translate if they do even to get to a playoff spot. But when they play at home, if they somehow play indoors, they're they're like the 99 Rams, right? <laughs> the way that their offense is going. Uh, and Goff has gone eight straight games now without an interception. He's only had one pick in the last 10 games. And the previous stretch where his longest stretch without an interception in his career was three games. So, it's not a coincidence that they're seven and three over the last 10 when he's not able to just turn the ball over and put, make himself a liability. And I really, I thought Justin Fields is going to break the rushing record today. I mean, he had a hundred yards rushing in the first quarter. And after that, uh, Brandon, you kind of alluded to this for weeks that he's been battling nagging injuries and whatever he, that went downhill fast. Like he finished seven for 21 passing uh, at one point in the middle of the, uh, the middle of the second quarter, he was three for 11 throwing and one pass completion was a touchdown pass to Cole Komet. Uh, he had 10 straight incompletions at one point in the second half. So uh, yeah, it was just a tough watch. If you're a bears fan, I will say uh, from an over better standpoint, a bit of a wet dream kind of a game because you know, you're seeing it going to 49, then to 51. By kickoff, we're looking at 53 and a half, and you're seeing 34 points at halftime. You're like, oh, you're here we go. Well, the Bears, they didn't score the rest of the game. They only had 10 points at halftime. They did not score the rest of the way. Lions did their part, but unfortunately, overbetters had to watch that crumble. Brandon, Cleveland defeats Washington 24 to 10. We've done our fair share of bashing the Cleveland Browns and really trying to work Deshaun Watson back in here down the stretch. And it's just kind of a lost year for the Cleveland Browns as it pertains to the football story here. I feel like is more about Washington, especially their coach, not realizing by losing today and by green Bay defeating the uh, Minnesota Vikings that their, their season is over uh, the, the Washington commanders with Carson Wentz back at quarterback. So the Browns cover plus two and they're an outright underdog, a victory today. Yeah. Congratulations, mom, Carson Wentz back in the lineup. Probably not going to last. Three interceptions, not great. Washington season is done. Deshaun Watson, three touchdowns on his whopping nine completions for the game. Here's a stat for you guys. If you had bet $100 on every single Browns game, first of all, if you've done that since the last 20 years, first, you're bankrupt, probably. That's not a great idea. I'm not sure what you're doing with your life. 
However, if you had done that, Deshaun Watson at three and one against the spread is now the fifth most profitable Browns quarterback in the last two decades. He's up $182 on your profit. Congrats, Browns fan. Enjoy your (laughs) offseason. Well said. Oh, Denver, Kansas City. Denver does not get buried in the recap episode as we roll through these games. The Denver Broncos hung in there. Shout out to Bundo. Anthony DeBundo, best bets. He gave out the Denver Broncos plus 13 and a half, 12 and a half, I think is where it landed as uh, once it hit kickoff. They're a feisty bunch there, and I think he was on to something when the receivers were outspoken, Judy and KJ Hamler. They had tweets out about Russell Wilson. They, they, they'd play for three any day of the week. They love their quarterback, and they put up a fight. Chiefs do win, though, 27-24. The Broncos cover, Jill. Yeah, DeBundo strikes again. And uh, with the 12-and-a-half, you're, Brennan, you're going to owe some frozen pizza IOUs to everyone at this point if you keep fading the Broncos. I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a Broncos apologist or anything uh, because I will say this. The bundle got a gift because just to break down, I'm going to quickly sum this up. Broncos are fourth and seven. They're down by 10. Russ throws this prayer up in the air. He's almost sacked. And then this phantom illegal hands to the face penalty comes through. They go down and score a touchdown. So as a result, it's almost like a seven point swing because if that turnover had happened, the chiefs are right at midfield. They could probably get a field goal. There's four minutes left to go in the game. Um, it just kind of sealed the cover from that. So again, that's football though. That's football betting, but just one of those things where it really felt like, uh, you know, if there was like a buzzer from Vegas or something like that, but, but uh, yeah, just one of those things, man, that's uh, kudos to DeBundo for getting that plus 12 and a half. To steal what kind of Brandon did earlier, when you close your eyes, envision how a game's going to play out. Wasn't Pittsburgh and Baltimore kind of exactly how we all felt it would go AFC North eight twenty kick. There's meaning behind it. Of course, the Steelers are in it. The the, the Ravens are winning. Uh, they're in the playoffs right now. And the Steelers, they score a touchdown late. Kenny Pickett with a nice throw. He made some big throws there on that final drive. Offensively, that is, for the Steelers. They went outright as underdogs, Brandon. 16-13, they cover whatever you got. Plus one, plus two, plus three. Just, uh, yeah, but one of those I just felt like, oh, 19-16, that makes sense for these two teams. Yeah, literally, that's my first note on the game. Extremely a Steelers-Ravens game. Like the, We've all watched this game every time they play for two decades, right? This is what happens. And the other thing that happens, store this away for next year, Mike Tomlin versus John Harbaugh. The underdog is now 22-5-3 against the spread when those guys play each other. 81%, another underdog hit. I had this on the look ahead last week. I got Steelers plus 6.5. We got the under 42 closed at 35, still went under both of those. Uh, Between, if you guys remember, Steelers-Ravens like a month ago, Steelers-Ravens this game, those two games alone, we finished over 10 units. And we've been crushing Steelers bets ever since TJ Watt came back. Like we said, changes everything. They've won five of six games. They are 500 again. They started two and six. The Steelers are 500 and can't control their destiny but have a very real chance at the playoffs. Now they got to win next week, get a little help from Patriots and Dolphins losses, but this is alive now. Kenny Pickett, ice cold on that final drive, huge throw. Najee Harris, maybe the best game I've ever seen him play. Steelers came through and they keep winning and that 500 streak might stay alive for Mike Tomlin, yeah. You bought the stock on the Pittsburgh Steelers right around when they were in the the bottom of the basement. So that's... Kudos to you for getting in on them, being a great second-half team, and that that holds based on how they played today. The uh, And like you had said, the Steelers are one of four underdogs who won outright today. Steelers, we talked about them already now. Seahawks, Browns, Saints, and Steelers. Dogs went 8-6 and six against the spread this week. Rams, Chargers, Battle of L.A., Jill, Chargers, Cruz, 31-10. They cover 6.5 points. Yeah, this is a classic case of a game that – Looked cool on paper at the start of the season. And then by week 17, (laughs) you wonder what kind of bet you could make just to make it tolerable to watch. Uh, And if you took the Chargers spread, there was no sweat. They went up 17, 10 and a half, pretty much cruised to a 21 point win. And the Rams, it's now their 11th loss of the year. They actually passed the 1999 Denver Broncos for the most losses by a defending Super Bowl champion. 
Brandon, any credit to Cliff Kingsbury today for covering the spread? His team did lose 20 to 19. The Falcons victorious Cardinals, though, cover plus six. Yeah, I mean, another one of those Kingsbury road underdog spots. Somehow, even as the man is walking towards getting his his pink slip a week from now, I have to assume he still keeps hitting all these trends. Another one of those underdog wins or covers, at least, against a non-Super Bowl coach. Rough under if you had this one. If you're playing under this game, I don't know what you're doing. Like, this was the one least important game on the schedule. But if you had the under, second half, we had four field goals and a missed field goal. And we got the walk-off field goal from the two where the Falcons just settled for it. We finish at 39 under 40 and a half. Here's my takeaway from this game. J.J. Watt got a sack. J.J. Watt announced his retirement this week. That's double-digit sacks for the man at the end of his career. He's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year, one vote away from two-time unanimous Defensive Player of the Year. Maybe the best defensive player in, in my like grown-up lifetime of just watching it's fun we watch TJ Watt tonight, JJ Watt dominating. I looked this up. He's got JJ has four seasons with 16 or more sacks. Here's the list of guys that have done that. Deacon Jones, Reggie White, Jack Youngblood, JJ Watt. That's it. Pretty awesome list to be on. JJ Watt, awesome career. There's a great Robert Mays article back from the Grantland days. I'm going to read you a quote here. You probably saw this floating around this week, but I just think it's a pretty cool quote here. So it was J.J. Watt early in his career. The way I look at it is that somebody in the world, no matter what your field is, teacher, violinist, football player, someone has to be the best. Why not me? If I dedicate all my time, if I cut out all the other crap from my life, if I give everything I have to this game for 10 or 12 years, maybe it is. And when I'm done, I'll go sit on my front porch with my buddies, have a beer and say, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Go have that beer, J.J. Nice tribute. Gamblers could also use that quote, too, in some regard. And if they do well, oh, I'm going to go have a beer with my buddy 10 or 12 years down the road. I had a good life over on the sports book side of things when it comes to the NFL for this episode's reasonings. Jacksonville, Houston, to wrap us up, Jill, the Jaguars cruise. You actually had a slight bone to pick with Jacksonville playing all their guys today because we kept being told this game wouldn't mean a thing because they got the showdown with the Titans next week. Well, and I overlooked that they had the wild card angle that they could still yes. sneak in on that front. But just, and I mean, we saw it by the second half. They started benching starters. And uh, I mean, you saw CJ Beathard made an appearance. Snoop Connor scored a touchdown. So uh, again, there's guys that were getting looks that uh, wouldn't normally probably in a game that uh, ultimately mattered. But the key thing here, guys, nine game losing streak is over. The Jags finally overcome the dominant Houston Texans. Uh, but uh, in all seriousness, really, the Texans, they had no motivation really to do anything in this game. And why would they? I mean, they watched the college football playoff on Saturday. They know that they've got probably eyes on C.J. Stroud to go first overall. They saw what he did against Georgia. So they're going to try, try, try to get him as the first pick in the draft. And uh, another game where the goes way under the total because only one team showed up. Three points from the Texans. Jags have won four in a row. They're six and two in their last eight offensively they put that thing together and they're like Tampa in the South on the other side, more championship pedigree over there. I realize that, but better be careful. AFC you run into the Jacksonville Jaguars at home, Trevor Lawrence getting hot, Doug Peterson. They've got that thing going very well right now. Momentum. If you believe in the momentum thing, I think that might be another reason why they wanted to give their max effort today. Okay, on to the playoff picture. There's We've sort of weaved this in, folks, into the conversation quite a bit, but now this is an opportunity for Brandon and Jill to give out potentially some picks or some leans that they like, conference look ahead, how it's currently constructed. I'll do this very briefly, but as of right now, if the playoffs were to start today, one through seven in the NFC, Philly one, San Fran two, Minnesota three, Tampa four, Dallas 5, Giants 6, Seattle 7. We mentioned Detroit, Green Bay. They've still got chances to get in. AFC, KC's your bye team right now, the one seed. Buffalo 2, Cincy 3. We'll get to that matchup. Monday Night Football, Jags 4, Chargers 5, Ravens 6, Patriots, the last team in. Miami and Pittsburgh are also still alive. Brandon, we'll start AFC. What's something that you uh, that jumps out to you based on the current construction and what we might see next week and beyond? Yeah, I think the spot that I'm really eyeing is I want to see who ends up in that AFC five seed. 
Now, I can't bet it yet because we don't know who that's going to be. Right now, it looks most likely that's a Ravens or Chargers spot. Could still end up being the Bengals if they lose out here these last couple of games. You get that five seed, you're playing against the Jaguars or the Titans in the first game. And in the AFC, that's as soft of a spot as you can get. And then you never know from there. It's going to be a tough road in the AFC. Even with that game, you're probably still going to have to win two games against Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, someone in that trio on the road. But I think we're going to get long odds there. I've been eyeing last year. I had the Niners heading into the playoffs. The year before, I had a Bucks. I'm looking for who's that wild card type team that you can put your stock on and, and get the right path. I think the AFC five seed is our best shot at it this year, even in a top heavy conference. So I personally, I'm kind of hoping the Bengals lose out here and they would be the five seed. I would love to take that bet. Otherwise, if we get a healthy Lamar Jackson enough or Ravens chargers, I think in that five seed, that's a spot I want. Jill, AFC, what comes to mind with the current build of the postseason one through seven? Yeah, it really depends on where the Chargers do fall. But I think right now at 24 to one to win the Super Bowl is probably the main team that I'd be looking at outside of that top three of Chiefs, Bengals, um, Bills. After we get past those three, like I'm not as enthused on the Ravens and Steelers. So once we get past those, it's really kind of the one team that's left. And I feel like they could they're kind of playing the best right now as far as they have as from a motivation and a momentum standpoint for the season for the chargers. So I feel like they could compete and hang with almost any team. And once you get past that first game, if they do get the five seed and have a potential Jags Titans division winner matchup, you know, then anything is possible. Uh, but yeah, the chargers would probably be the only team I would consider outside of those top three. Brandon, we alluded to this earlier when we talked about the Saints beating the Philadelphia Eagles. I asked you, is it time now to possibly buy back in on Philly? You can reiterate that and maybe some scenarios that you'd, you'd, you would appreciate personally if they were to shake out how you might buy in on not just Philly, maybe someone else. Yeah, I think it's hard to buy into anyone except Philly right now. Okay. I know the obvious buy-in is the Niners. They're, they're so red hot. I just, the Niners... Unless the Eagles lose next week, the Niners are going to have four games to win a Super Bowl still. And I just, I know Brock Purdy's looked really good, but the dude was the last pick in the draft and we haven't really seen him do much or be tested much. I just can't buy him winning four playoff games. He could, like, it, honestly, like, I know this is blasphemous, starting to get a little bit of that first season Tom Brady vibe about him. Like, it just things are kind of falling into place and the team around him, the coaching, the defense is all so good. I get it. I'm just, I can't bet it. I can't tell you to bet on Brock Purdy to win four games. I like the Eagles, but I will say this. I would bet the Eagles to win the NFC, not to win the Super Bowl. I think whoever comes out of the NFC is likely going to be the underdog to the Bills or the Chiefs or the Bengals. And I think with the Eagles, it's not so much them betting on the juggernaut version of them. I'm not sure that's there anymore with the injuries, but just they are still a heavy favorite to get the one seed. I think they take her business next week. They get the week off. They might get an easy matchup against the Giants or Packers, Seahawks, Lions, if there's an upset in round one. And you do that, now you got a home game, one game to make the Super Bowl. I still think Eagles NFC is the best play. Jill, NFC? Brock Purdy has won his four starts. He's 4-0 as a starter. I'm going to go a little off the beaten path here. I'm. Love it's it. a tough road, but I'm looking at the Giants at 28-1 to to win the NFC. And I know, I know, I know. And the reason being is looking at more like the playoff picture as if it ended today. Because if they would ended today, they'd be playing the Vikings. I think that's a very winnable game. And then the second game would probably be the Eagles, uh, barring everything goes according to plan it's not an unfathomable path. And again, I'm more trying to look at teams that I know that are going to probably have a chance to win at least the first game. Like, I think that's the one thing is I'm not going to try to talk myself into this Jags run through the AFC if they were to make it or, you know, or, uh, you know, the, the Seahawks, if they were to get through, like I, I can understand maybe a Packers angle here, but I'm just trying to look at teams of where can I can get one win and then, if I'm going to bank on any team, it's going to be the team that is top of the luck rankings at actionnetwork.com. Okay, good stuff. I think it's that time of year where we're all kind of looking ahead and 
looking in the crystal ball and looking at futures, we do realize there's another week and there's still one more game left in week 17. Buffalo, Cincinnati, showdown of the year on Monday night. Could be the game of the year based on what's at stake. Buffalo still playing for the one seed. Cincinnati, one of the hottest teams, folks. They've won 20 of 23 against the spread. They've been phenomenal covering. If you've rallied behind these Bengals, while it hasn't been quite comfortable in the ways they've done it the last couple of weeks, they've gotten there. Okay, Bills are road favorites, Brandon. Minus one and a half. Totals at 49 and a half. And we've also got the conversation, we'll get into this, maybe a futures angle as well based on this game because of its importance and because we're talking two of the best three teams in the AFC. How do you pick this one apart? Yeah, it's a tough one. It's it's a very exciting game. This is a clear your Monday night schedule out. Make sure that you've got plans ready. I think it actually even is a later time because we got the Rose Bowl earlier. So I think it, it starts just like 15 minutes later than usual. So it's going to be a good one. I don't really love a side in this game. If I had to pick one, I would lean Bills just because we've talked about Bengals injuries that are starting to pile up. Lyle Collins, Chidobe Awuzie, the corner or cornerback, both edge rushers are injured. I just feel like Buffalo is a little healthier, a little bit better on defense and special teams. But if I'm going to pick something aside or total in this game, I'd go with the under, under 49 and a half. Some trends that fit their home underdogs this year. Unders have hit 65%. We know about the primetime unders trend. That's continued to go well. Both of these teams are 10 and 5 to the under this season. And then Josh Allen road under is 63% lifetime. So I like the under. Jill, I think you have the side here on Buffalo, right? Yeah, so I do like Buffalo to win this game outright. I, I think they are the better team. But I am also going to be betting some touchdown score props. And... When I do the touchdown show with uh, Dr. Nick Giffen, who co-hosts with me every Sunday at 1130 a.m. Eastern, shameless plug, we talk about a lot of the matchups and just where there are weaknesses on teams. And right now, the Bengals wide receivers are the players that you want to bet in this game, specifically T. Higgins at plus 175 at FanDuel, also Tyler Boyd at both at plus 350 mainly because of the secondary of the bills uh it's gonna it's actually been one of their weaker points this year 15 touchdowns to wide receivers this season compared to just six uh last year and i know a lot of people will be like well, what about jamar chase and i'm not saying that you can't bet jamar chase but his presence doesn't necessarily overshadow higgins and boy because they've combined for 12 touchdowns this year and 10 of them have been in games with jamar chase in the lineup and on the bill side I got to go with Dawson Knox at plus 225. Like he has scored touchdowns in three straight games. They're still pricing him over plus 200. And I, for anybody who follows me on Twitter, that's like an auto bet uh, clause for me when he's over plus 200, mainly because in eight games this year, he's been over plus 200 and he scored five touchdowns in those games. All of his touchdowns have been scored when they over or underprice them uh, at the plus 200 or more. And uh, for me, I think the Bengals defense are going to be so busy, especially with the way that their zone defense is. They don't allow a lot of big plays. They're going to have their hands full trying to stop Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis that I think Dawson Knox will just have more opportunities over the middle to be able to score on them. Just to take folks behind the curtain for just a hot second. I read Brandon uh, Anderson's note that he wanted to talk about Josh Allen's rushing total in this game. And it read Brandon Allen rushing yards over, but he's talking about not Brandon Allen, the backup quarterback for the Bengals. It's Brandon talking about Josh Allen's rushing yard. And Brandon Allen is still on the Bengals. Like I had to double check that and like Brandon Allen's still in the NFL. It's funny. I, I, I wrote that note myself and I looked back and I was like, Brandon Allen, what? No, yeah, right. Brandon, Josh Allen. Yeah, my favorite bet from this game is Josh Allen rushing yards overs. So I, this is, this is uh, Jill, you talked about auto bet. For me, Josh Allen rushing yards over is the auto bet. Anytime mm-hmm. that you're playing a playoff opponent for the Bills, you can just watch, and the entire way they use Josh Allen changes. When it's a team that they know they can beat, they kind of hold back. They save his legs. When it's a big game... You get those extra designed runs, a little bit more scrambling. And here are the stats. The last two years, if you separate 17 games against non-playoff teams, 
5.7 rushes for 37 yards a game, 17 games against playoff teams, projecting a little bit from this year, 9.4 rushes for 60 yards a game. So it's a clear difference there. An extra three and a half, almost four rushes a game, 60 yards. So FanDuel right now, over 47 and a half is the line for rushing yards. Love that. He's at 44 yards or more rushing in 13 of those 17 games against the playoff opponents. By the way, the Bengals are bottom five against design quarterback runs as well. If you check my article, I talked about doing like the Josh Allen escalator as well. 60 plus yards. He's done that half of the time, eight of 17. That's plus 182. 70 plus yards. He's done that five times this year, all against playoff teams, presumably. That's plus 310. I've got all three in the app. I recommend you play them all. Let's get some Josh Allen runs on Monday night. That's not just exclusive to playoffs. He's actually done that in 14 of the last 20 games overall, uh, including the playoff games last year. And he, there's a reason why you bet this, especially when it's under the 50 yard plateau, because he is third in the league in rush yards uh, per, per attempt. Like it's at 6.5 yards per attempt. When he goes at least eight to 10 times, he's going to clear that number fairly easily because he's just so hard to tackle. Okay, let's go to the hot read. We could also call this the scenario read because that's what these games are built on, playoff scenarios with one week to go in the regular season. We take a quick look. Brandon Anderson's going to discuss a spread or total that he might like now in advance. It's not always about an analysis of the matchup, folks. It's anticipating a, a significant line shift. We want to get the number now, the better number, the better, of course. We want to bet the, the, the appropriate number. That's important. Brandon, what do we like in week 18? Hot wrap. Yeah, so here's a key stat for you. DeBondo kind of referenced this on our Best Bets episode. This is from Stucky's article this week. Last two weeks of the regular season over the last two decades, teams that have won 40 to 69% of their wins, so basically like a good-ish team probably pushing for playoffs, and they're better than opponents by 5 to 35%. Teams on that spot in the last two weeks of the season are 57, 88, and 5 against the spread. Only a 39% cover rate. Let me translate that for you. Books are overpricing in the team that has to win the game, the team that's pushing for the playoff or the seeding. They're overpricing that in. So we as betters need to not be drawn in by that. You need to bet on the other side. For example, today, that got us on the Washington, if you're on them, got Miami, it got Baltimore, all teams that were favored that were in that win range percentage as the better team and lost to the worst team there. So one that caught my eye early on, I hate to do it after all the love all year. I got to abandon Seattle Island again. Rams plus six and a half plus seven. If you can see it in Seattle over the last half of the season, the Rams are pretty much even with the Seahawks as far as DVOA and the metrics. So I think that's much too high of a line. I know you look at it, it's like, well, the Rams season is over. Seahawks, they just need to win. Try to get in the playoffs. That'll be fine. That's easy, right? Guess what? The Rams are professional football players still trying to play. It's a rivalry game. The Rams won 8 of 11. So I think that's a good spot there. And then the one other one I caught, just as the line went live right as we started recording, give me a Brown Steelers under 40 and a half for next week. Steelers are at 41 or under in seven of their last eight games. Browns 5 for 5 in Deshaun Watson games under 41 or sorry, 41 or under Stefanski unders are 10 and four when they are below 44. So a lot of trends that way. I think that line will drop quickly. We've seen how the Steelers defense goes and you know what? We made a lot of money out the Steelers. So just roll a little bit over and let's get one more Steelers win here to wrap the season up. Yeah. on that first one, I think Baker Mayfield too, trying to play for his next job. He cannot afford to take any game off, right? He's performed well in some cases, no question, but could really tie a nice bow on his, Time in Los Angeles with Sean McVay. So Cleveland, Pittsburgh, yes, at the moment, 40 and a half is the line over at FanDuel, minus 114 for the under. All right, gents, I think that's it. We got to get out of here. For Joe Gallant, Brandon Anderson, Brendan Glasheen, folks, thanks for tuning into the Action Network podcast. We're presented by FanDuel, the Week 17 NFL recap episode. We'll be back on Thursday 
with the best bets episode for week 18, the final week of the regular season. Just want to reiterate, too, we will be joining you throughout the playoffs. So don't think we're leaving or uh, going to an island that's not Seattle Island and leaving you all alone. We will be here for you. No islands for us. We will be here throughout the playoffs as well. Recaps, best bets, you name it. Thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Join you next time. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.